I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a milli every week. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billy every week. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Sleep Is for Billionaires, the podcast brought to you by Stop the Bank ENT TV. Now, my next guest. You know, I know you've seen him on House Party 3 as the role Stinky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You've seen him on Half Big yelling, Boo this man, which is fucking the meme that everybody uses every time you disagree with someone. You know, ladies and gentlemen, comedian slash actor David Edwards. Yes, sir. What's up, my brother Johnny Vegas in the house? What's oh, up, I'm in the building, man. You already know how I do. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Now, how does that feel that everybody uses that? From that little scene on Half Big, when you said boo this man, they use that every time they disagree with someone. Like, that's gotta feel amazing, bro. It's like a runaway child. A yeah. child has ran away from home and never came back. Mm-hmm. And it just comes, you know, you just hear stories about. Yeah. And I have a, um, a boo this man alert on Google. Yeah. You know, I see the alerts and that. Yeah. One time I was in San Diego and we walked into this bar uh-huh. and this big Hawaiian bouncer, Samoan bouncer, pulls me to the side. He goes, "You come here!" He yanks me. Yeah. He goes, "Do you know I work at San Diego where the where the Chargers play at where they used to play?" Mm-hmm. And I go, "Okay, yeah, I'm in the stadium." And do you know every time a player or a referee does something wrong, they put your face up on the jumbotron and you go boo this man and the whole crowd go boo this man back. Do you know that? I go, "No, I didn't know that." He goes, "You see that guy over there behind the." bar i go yeah that's the bartender point at him i'll point at him and he waited the bartender all the drinks on for me for the night oh wow man we got two up that night from boo this man that's crazy bro yeah and that movie was like 20 years ago and that meme is that oh that my God. one scene just like exploded. it blew up yeah. i didn't think it was gonna blow up that hard because a lot of the lines in that movie got taken away from me and got given to bob saget mm. um, like um I, I used to suck dick for coke. Yeah, Went yeah. to Bob Saget, and yeah. I was I was fussing at Chappelle. I was like, man, I studied this script for three weeks straight. Mm. I just got on a plane here to Montreal, Canada. How you gonna give my lines to Bob Saget? You mm-hmm. go imagine the guy from America's Funniest People saying, "I suck dick for coke," and I just bust out laughing. I went, "You're right." So I went back to my hotel room and I went over the lines again. I said, well, I have to execute here, here, and here in order to compensate mm. for I suck dick for coke. Right. And it just happened to jail and mesh and it was like playing the symphony. You just follow along and it, and it just developed. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, bro, man. Yeah. So how was it working with like Kid and Play and Martin and House Party? I know because that, this, all your scenes look fun. Yeah. Like, they all look fun, man. How was that? Um, replacing Martin Lawrence mm-hmm. was some. Big shoes to fill mm. because him as Bilal in the in the original house parties, mm-hmm. you know, he was the best friend. I come in as the cousin, mm. and I replaced Martin because Martin decided not to do house party three, mm. and a lot of prominent comedians was up for the role, so I had to really step my game up. And it, and once I got into it, because I almost got fired from house party, mm. first day of rehearsals. I was reading da, 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 all plain and simple. Yeah. And the director came up to me and whispered in my ear, You're about to lose this. Ooh. You better step your game up. Man, I went to the bathroom, took a two minute break, came back out, and the rest was history. Mm. And I, I just happened to nail Stinky. It was just like, You know what? Let me stop acting and just be. I was worried, I was just acting. I was so mechanical that you could, just, you could just see it and it didn't come across as real enough. So when I just settled into the role and became stinky and just became that cousin and that friend, 
it really was a no-brainer. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And I was so appreciative of having that role and be able to fill Martin's shoes mm. without anybody recognizing I was filling Martin's shoes, to be accepted as the cousin and not Martin's replacement. Because right. Martin Lawrence, man, he blew House Party out like... Name. You know, and to come in there and, and to be able to be a part of that, it's still a blessing to this day. That's another classic that I'm a part of and I'm appreciative. I did two classics, which is House Party, that, and uh, The Real World, which is another classic. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's, yeah. When we first met, that actually was my uh, introduction, introduction to you when we, when we met personally. I remembered you from that episode when you had that fight. With the girl and yeah, you was taking the, the Hi, sheet. Tammy. You was taking the sheet off of her, dragging on the floor. And I remember watching that episode, like when it was airing live. I was like, "Yo, I you remember know, you from that." What's <laughs> funny about that? People say I always drag across the room. They say it's a towel. They say it's a sheet. Mm. You know, it was a blanket. Mm. And I didn't drag her. She went along with it and started rolling with the blanket. I just happened to get it off. Yeah. And if you notice the beginning of that clip, you can look on YouTube. Mm. In the beginning, it's John Aaron. Uh, and then I come into the room And John and Aaron is pulling on the blanket first mm. I happen to come in the room and like Hey guys what you guys doing Oh y'all trying to get the blanket off of Tammy Well let me show y'all something yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just happened to finish it and it, Which has stirred up a world of controversy uh, One of the reasons why I got put off the show That wasn't the only thing I did I started a bunch of fights in the house oh, And I tried man. to choke John oh, man. That was just the, 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 the nail in the coffin for me mm. Getting that blanket off But I was determined Yeah Like but it made history and it made Tammy hot on the streets. Yeah. She's doing very well now. I see, I yeah, see. That's yeah. my girl. You know, do you know our kids went to high school together? No. Yeah. We went to, they went to high school together, they played together. My daughter went to her sweet her daughter's sweet sixteen and they became friends and I was like and my daughter came home one day, like, Daddy, guess who I'm friends with? Mm. I'm like, who, baby? Tammy Roman's daughter. I'm like, oh Lord, oh, no. I was <laughs> but they were such good friends, and it was very cool. My daughter got invited to their parties, and and actually, Tammy's mom moved in a couple of doors down from me, mm. and I ran into Tammy in the building a couple of times because she had to pick up mail. I used to get Tammy's tax returns in by my mailbox. Oh wow! So a couple of times, I handed it to her mom. Uh, his Tammy's tax returns. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was haunting. Imagine seeing Tammy's tax returns next to your mailbox. I'm like, this is really close for comfort. Wow. But yeah, yeah, you ever uh, reconcile your differences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of times I saw her at Kinko's in Beverly Hills. Mm. And she one time she called me over. And I looked up. She went, David. And I looked up behind the computer and there was Tammy. She was like, come here. I need to take some pictures with you for Twitter to calm yeah. my Twitter down because they think I did something to you and I ruined your career. I want to let them know you in Beverly Hills doing great. Yeah. So I did, and she gave me a big hug and a kiss. Yeah, she's um, about to get married to a Haitian dude now. Mm. Yeah, so she's doing very Congrats. well. Congrats. Congrats, Tammy. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. But I'm a happy camper, and, you know, um, I really have no quarrels or any complaints. You know, yeah. life throws its blows, and you got to learn how to deal with it. And you only can play the cards you've been dealt. And I'm mm -hmm. playing my cards, man. Right. Like, like you say, grind, baby, grind. That's a fact. That's a fact, man. So do you keep in contact with any of those guys? Like, you know, like Kid and Play or Martin or anybody? Dave, Dave Chappelle? Do you keep in um, contact I with ran them? into Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. at the uh, Improv. Um, this is a funny story. Mm. Uh, a couple of months ago, mm. and he has a big mural next to Richard Pryor and all the greats. Mm -hmm. And it's right on the corner of the street. And I'm looking at the mirror, I'm smoking a cigarette or something, I'm like, oh my God, that's a nice mirror of Chappelle. And he steps around the corner in front of his mirror. Wow. And there's Chappelle. He looks at me, I look at him, 
And I point at him. He points at me. He goes inside the club, and I go in, and we had a nice conversation. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's um, I, we grew up together, right? You know, and so you know, show business does things to people, and people that's in between get into people's business. But that's my brother. He's done a lot for career. He got me the real world. Mm. Uh, he basically put half baked in my lap and said, "I want you to do this role." So with our friendship, to me, we're five hundred. Right. We're even. Right. You know, and. That's the way life goes, man. Mm-hmm. That's that's my brother, and I wish you nothing but the best. I am proud of you. Way to go! I loved all your specials, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I'm proud of you. Please, please keep on getting it, brother, because it motivates me to just step my game up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, man. Speaking of, speaking of being proud of him and stepping your game up, and by from what you see he's doing and his success in his career, you know, are you interested in doing similar things? Like, for example, uh, getting your own uh, stand-up special on Netflix. I hear that's a trend for comedians. They're getting big money for this. Huge. Uh, yeah, for, for for doing this thing. So do you think uh, that's something that you have in the work? I am waiting what? to be blessed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm waiting for the opportunity to come across. Mm-hmm. Um I have to put my hat back into the ring. I have to start showing up again on yeah. time yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, all, and all the things and looking good and, all, and everything it takes, you know, going through the politics of getting to the stage and making people laugh. Yeah. And I, I would love that opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. wishing for it and I'm ready for it. And when it comes across, I'm not going to turn it down. Yeah. You know? And I'm not going to. The thing is, though, Netflix pays different comedians different wages and what they think their worth is. Right. Behind the scenes is, is, is fucking nasty. Yeah. You I know? And, but at the same time, I welcome the opportunity. And thank God for Netflix. Thank God for Chappelle for pushing that door open like that. You know, for comedians to get $20 million per special. Right. I didn't know that that could be done. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, behind the scenes is pretty nasty. Like, even with the Monique situation, how, uh, you know, they try to lowball her, you know, and, and, and she was com- comparing it to Amy Schirmer, who was getting like $15 million for it, and they tried to pay Monique 500000 you know, and then Monique tried to, like, get everybody to boycott Netflix. I mean, do you think that she was taking the right approach to get the results she wanted? That's a very good question. And you never know what's going on in somebody's mind and how they're feeling and what their emotional state is behind mm-hmm. that. All I know is behind closed doors in the negotiating room, it gets very nasty and very dirty. And it sounds like she was representing herself because she is representing herself when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. But I know what hurts me is when I see all the other comedians diss her because she stood up for herself. I think that hurts. I've seen a lot of prominent comedians lowball her, talk bad about her, and make fun of her in front of the camera because mm. she stood up for herself. And I, I find that disgusting, mm. deplorable, and I think they should have backed her up because to knock another door down. Because Monique, she's Academy Award winning actress. Facts. She deserves at least what Amy Schumer gets. Right. Amy Schumer doesn't have Academy Award. Mm. And that's Monique. You know, Monique's from Baltimore. I'm from Washington, D.C. I'm going to side with Monique. Maybe she should use more tact the way she did it. I don't know. That's not my calling. But Monique, I love you. I am proud of you. And I'm glad the way you represented and stood up for yourself. And you got my backing. Even if it costs me Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny as hell, man. Yeah, man. So, uh, so tell me, what, what, what got you started in comedy professionally? Like, what was your start? My start was pain. 
Okay. Um, I, I grew up broke, poor, like a lot of comedians did, like a lot of us did. We mm. were, you know, hungry and look. I was looking for a way out, mm. and I was just a. I'm a regular smart ass. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a smart aleck. Mm. Um. One day, my foster father brought home Eddie Murphy's Delirious, mm. and I, I looked at that, and Eddie Murphy came off as such a rock star. There's three things I wanted to be. I wanted to be the Karate Kid. I wanted to be Eddie Murphy and Delirious, mm-hmm. and I also wanted to be Bruce Lee. <laughs> the Karate Kid and Bruce Lee, I used to get my ass kicked a lot. That counseled itself out. <laughs> and I still, <laughs> I still had my sense of humor. And that got me out of the drug game, mm-hmm. uh, the crack game. It, 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 it took me to Chicago, brought me all the way out here to Los Angeles, and it helped me to get gigs. It helped me to meet people. It helped. It put me in front of the world. Mm. And stand up and comedy, or making people laugh in general, is just something I've been blessed with. I might not be perfect all the time. Everything come out my mouth ain't funny. Yeah, but it's something I enjoy doing. I spreading the gift of laughter. You know, mm-hmm. act, the acting and skits and stuff, and it's something I love to do. Mm. And um, I just been blessed with knowing how to make people laugh. You know. But I used to get uh, put out of class mm. because the teacher would put me to the side and go, David, you can just wave your hand to class and people start laughing. You need to sit outside, do your work out here, and I'm going to set aside five minutes for you yeah. and you're going to do in front of the class. So at the end of the class, I would come out and I would do five minutes on topic about what the teacher was discussing and make the whole class laugh and then walk out the door. Was was the biggest, greatest feeling in the world. And that's how I got the admiration of love. I didn't have to pay for my prom because wow. of that. Uh, I didn't. I, I got to graduate on time. I walked across the stage all because because of that. I didn't have to pay for my yearbook. Like I got away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you were molded for for what you're trying to do, man. What you've been doing. So that's that's great, man. Tell me about your grind as a comedian in Hollywood. Like, what do you do to keep relevant and, you know, the, just the grind in general, you know, from before you book a show and then after you book a show? Tell me all of that. The grind in general, that's a very good question. Mm-hmm. Um, especially to stay relevant and stay in people's faces mm. and, and, and just being, just, and just being there and showing up is half the battle. Mm-hmm. Being prepared um, and just being where you're supposed to be because what's that saying? Um, opportunity meets preparation equals success. Correct. And that's the, the formula that I try to follow. And a lot of times I get lazy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to leave the house, you know. There's a case where I suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. There's times where I don't want to even get out of bed. Right. You know, I don't want to deal with people. I don't, so there's times where I don't want to hear about show business, period. I get like a, a burn overload. Mm. But there's times where I snap myself out of it. Like, come on now. Come on, you're getting full of yourself. Right. You, you, you need to face what you got to face and deal with what you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, you got to surround yourself with people who will help you pull you out of that rut when you get depressed. You don't feel like dealing with people. You don't feel like telling a joke because right now you do not feel funny. Right. And that's one of the hardest things is when you don't feel funny to pull yourself out of that rut and, and to become funny. And... And just get and just basically, you just gotta stay in people's faces and let them know you don't, you're not going anywhere. Mm. You know, you, you're here to do the damn thing. You're on a mission, right? You know, and and that's what I try to do, and that's what's been keeping me going. And my daughter, you know, because she's always asking me show business advice and do I have any information on this and information on that, and I feel bad when I when I cannot return a text right back with what she wants to hear or needs to hear. So I really try to stay. End the game as much as I can as possible, 
without becoming, without drying myself out. Right. You know, you know, how can I say this? To be out there too much where I get tired of me. Mm-hmm. You ever get tired of hearing yourself talk? Yeah, it's one time with my music. Like I like I don't even play myself in the car usually. You know, what I'm saying I'm like, ah, let's skip that track. I don't want to hear that. You know, because yeah. I just get tired of hearing it. You know what I'm saying? But I I, I get it. Your music is dope though. You got bangers. Man. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm I like play your music, man. Play your music. <laughs> you got bangers, Johnny. Thank you, man. I appreciate. I it. I wish I was musically inclined, mm-hmm. man. If I was music inclined, oh my god, that would be half the battle. Yeah, for real. But I'm enjoying the ride so far, I'm, and I'm glad to be here back in Los Angeles. I just left Flint, Michigan. Mm. I helped out with the water crisis out really? there. Really? Oh, that's dope, man. Yeah, man. People in, in in Flint, Michigan, their water is still bad. Mm-mm. Fuck the mayor. He, he's not delivering water services anymore. Their water is still coming out rusty. And the people in Flint, Michigan, I love you, and you guys are really hanging in there. And uh, y'all keep on pushing out there. Yeah, man. It makes you really appreciate Los Angeles, California. You know I drink tap water out here? I mean, I've been drinking tap water every day of my life. You know, put with, put some ice in it. And you know how you filter when you just pour it from the side. Right. And then, <laughs> 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 that's how you filter tap water. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. Now, you mentioned your daughter. You give her advice in uh, you know entertainment business. Do you encourage her to be in show business, or is that what you want to do? I really wanted her to be a dentist, a okay. lawyer, a... You know what do you call it? The people who take care of dogs, a uh, veterinarian. A veterinarian mm-hmm. or, but it's in her blood. She wants to be in show business. But I'm scared because you know she's a woman. She's a female, and we heard the horror stories in the past of Hollywood. What they do to females, the casting couches, all these nightmares, all these demons do come to play for me. Mm-hmm. And when I hear her ask me advice, I really try to give her the sound advice or the best information possible that I have at my fingertips available. Mm-hmm. And when you have a, a little girl, your daughter, who wants to be in show business, it's some scary shit. You know, it's like feeding feeding red meat to the lions. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, baby, I, you know what? I'll represent you. And I, I, it makes me want to show up with the two auditions. Like, I, I wish you would invite my daughter to the couch, couch. Right. I'll bust your whole shit. Mm-hmm. Because L.A. is a very, very dangerous game. I could imagine, bro, especially now. I mean, you know, you got the whole uh, Me Too movement, you know, they're yeah. kind of protesting uh, sexual misconduct and sexual harassment. You know, what's your take on that? You know, because I feel two ways about it. I feel like one way, you know, it, it's sad that, you know, women are being victimized, you know, by men of power to kind of manipulate them to do certain things and use their dreams against them. For that, for their um, selfish purpose, but then I feel like you know, with some situations that women are just coming out the woodwork twenty years later, like he did this, he did that, trying to get a check. So it's like you know, I support the women that are really going through the the BS behind it, but the women who are just trying to get a check, I'm like, get the fuck out of here! Like you're just doing nothing but you know, putting more dirt on this man's name who probably didn't even do anything to you. It's a hard ticket to call. Mm. Because, you know, when time goes by yeah, and they let it go by for so long, who knows what happened, who, what, when, where, how, and why. Mm. And situations could get misconstrued. Mm. I know I've been on dates where I thought the girl had a good time and yeah. I get a voicemail. That was the most horrible date I ever had in my life. You did X, Y, and Z, this, that, and the other. <laughs> hey, I kept my penis in my pants. <laughs> I did that no time, put my tongue down your throat. Shit, you ain't even come back to my place. So what are you talking about? Well, you didn't hold my hand. You didn't open the car door. And you let me pay for my tickets. Oh. 
<laughs> so you never know how it's gonna, how your date's gonna come off, or your relationship with a woman, or what did you do to piss this person off so bad that they're coming after you now? Right. So it's really a, a huge gray area, and my heart goes out to Bill Cosby. I mean, it's still dragging this man through the mud. Yeah, man. Even to right now, he's in, he's going to court right now in Philadelphia mm-hmm. for some stuff he, he they say he did. 20 years ago that's crazy man it really is crazy but at the same time where there's smoke there is fire mm-hmm. for a lot of people my thing is keep your penis in your pants don't be putting nothing under nobody drink you should be Gucci <laughs> should be yeah should be keyword should be should be let's see man well on, on a positive note you know let's let's talk about how you um, you know how you plan or have done you know the, the, the methods you use to expand your brand because as I looked at your IMDb I see you uh, directed uh, a movie in 91 I believe it was called Everybody Has an Oscar yeah no, no it was like uh, Happy Man or some shit like that hold on let me look I didn't even be, be, be lying on you it'd be lying yeah a lot of things I didn't do I'm like that was Kevin Hart <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in scary movie. That was I get <laughs> right, right, yeah. Because I saw that. I saw you was in scary movie too. I was, was like, okay, not I don't scary movie. Seeing. And it also said you were in Belly as a federal agent. No, was Belly? not no federal agent. What the? No I was belly. like, yo, I actually put the movie back on, and I'm seeing yeah. through when DMX got locked up. I'm like, I don't see this dude. Yeah, but <laughs> I was not in Belly. I was not in scary movie. But shit, um, take it. God damn it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, but. It's kind of funny, but at the same time, hey, I wasn't in those movies. Mm. Um, the movies that I did do and direct, I had fun directing. Mm-hmm. I like directing as long as I got a great crew and an awesome cast. You know, you it really takes a life of its own. Yeah, and um, I'm proud to be a part of those projects. Mm. Um, and what's the other part of the question? How do I stay on the grind with that? No, pretty much. How do you plan to expand your brand? You know, yeah, everything's a brand now. Yeah. You know, we in 2018. I remember back in 1993, fucking 1986 when I first started. There's a, a thing called selling out. Yeah. Remember that? If you if you go mainstream, you done sold out. You sell a Pepsi, you done sold out. <laughs> Everybody done sold out. Everything is a brand now. So I'm really grasping mentally, especially right now, mm. what's what's a brand and how to become a bigger brand or to to harness my brand. It's just staying true to yourself any way that's possible to me. And that's my brand. My brand is no brand. Mm. Like, I can't be attached to a certain way. Like, I love Kevin Hart. Yeah. But you know his brand is a whole lot of short jokes. That's what you're going to be sold and that's what you're going to receive. Mm. But at the same time, you know who I think the funniest comedian is, though? Oh. Michael Blackston. Oh man, he is the funniest dude alive to me. There's been no time where someone has roasted him that he has not came back, torched them, and put them under the table. Oh man, I That's... think Michael Blackson is the meanest comedian on two legs right now, bar none. What do you think about him and Kevin Hart beefing? Like they, well, they started. made up. They made up. They made in up. Philadelphia in the last Sixers game, they took pictures together and they was hugging and okay. you know how Hollywood is. And it's, it's good for the game. Yeah. You want to see two people go at it and air their grievances out mm-hmm. without being too harsh, too mean, or disrespectful. But and every time I've seen somebody go after Michael Blackson, I've giggled, 
But when Michael Blackson comes back for them, yeah, I got tears out my face. Oh man, I'm, I'm about to pee on myself. Like, I'm, and I got to rewind it and watch it again. Like, oh my goodness. How do you feel about him beefing with uh, Gary Owen now? I thought Gary was pretty mean. <laughs> and pretty harsh. How so? How so? Well, he talked about his skin complexion. He talked. <laughs> he basically he roasted. Michael Black does does that to himself. But he torched. Yeah, Michael does it to himself. I don't know how I felt about. It. I, just, I I remember not laughing, just taking a deep breath, going, "Wow, that was pretty bitter." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I turned on Michael Blackson, and I damn near pissed myself at his rebuttal. Mm. Like when he the part he said, "You talking about I look like a Kit Kat?" Well, at least a Kit Kat doesn't change colors. You one minute you're blue, one minute you're orange, one minute you're pink, one minute, and I was just on the floor. Oh my! Like God. like bar none, his comebacks is just incredible, and his African accent. Yeah. Like, how you how you not? How do you compete with that? Like, yeah. How you not find that funny? Like yeah, it's crazy. Oh man. But yeah. Um, so it's it's just about how do you perceive someone's perception of, of how they handle the situation and uh, comedians going back and forth like that I think it's good for the game it's good for comedy and as long as they keep it in an approach where it's friendly and it, and, it, and it's funny I got no problems with it to me I've always been bad at roasting I can roast privately mm. but like coming back at somebody like that and really saying what's in your feelings and where your heart I think no one does it better than Michael Blackston <laughs> like, and I'm not just when you say it, dick writing. Yeah, it, it really is true. You you watch all of Michael Blackson's rebuttals, and I don't care who challenges him, or who's in his face, he handles it like mm-hmm. whoa. It leaves you, and you have to watch it two or three times. That's how you know something is good, right? When you got to rewind it and watch it again, like what did he say? Oh crap! Yeah, he got that replay value, definitely, definitely. So tell me, tell me, um, who are some of the comedians that? you look up to you know something that, wow. that inspired you and made you want to be like yo I want to do that wow uh Michael Blackston mm-hmm. uh what's the one they always say I look like that's part of the Wayans uh Marlon Marlon mm-hmm. Marlon kills me he cried his, by the way great job on your last stand up stand up special on Netflix you saw yeah. it yeah I was great he's a fool man. the coolness of <laughs> Chappelle yeah the sharpness of Chris Watt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even like Chris Tucker. Yeah, yeah, Chris too. He had a nice special too. Yeah, he is yeah. hilarious. Um, I miss Robin Williams. To me, oh my God, Robin was like one of the greats. Yes. Uh, we brought up Monique. I like Monique and her brashness and her boldness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like a lot of the colors for different reasons. Some of them are red, some are yellow, some are blues, mm-hmm. and. Do I take a little bit from each one? I learn. I learn what to do and what not to do. Um, like, I'm a big fan of comedy. Mm-hmm. As much as I love doing comedy. Like, I will go to a comedy show just to go. I will buy a ticket just to go sit in the audience and become part of the audience. Right. It's because I love laughing just as much as I like making people laugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a student of the game. Quote, unquote. Um... 
so I, I do learn at the same time, but I try not to learn too much because you don't want to take on so much of someone's characteristics where you start to sound like them and mimic them. And yeah. To me, that's, that becomes corny. Yeah. Biting. Yeah, biting. Yeah. yeah. That's the word they need to bring back. You know, biting. That's a fact. I'm saying, like, I, I hear a lot of comedians, you know, they get upset at other comedians because, like, they bite their jokes. Like, I saw... Uh, uh, I saw a little clip It was from a long time ago When Carlos uh, Mencia Was getting on Joe Rogan For biting And then they had A little roast battle And then they had A heckler come on stage And say something Or whatever Like have you ever been A victim of that Somebody biting your joke Or even heckled on stage Carlos Mencia Took one of my jokes And did it in front of my face At the comedy store Oh wow I used to have this <laughs> Where I stuck the mic In the middle of my throat And I used to talk Through the mic Through my throat Yeah And he did it Right in front of my face And I was in the audience Looking at him And it was like It was like so surreal to actually get it's like someone carjacking you yeah. putting a gun in your face get up out your shit yeah you know and there's nothing you can do about it but just take it oh man and I guess Joe Rogan got pissed that night and he Carlos did one of Joe Rogan's jokes in Joe's face and yeah. Joe wasn't having it and Joe jumped on the stage and they went back and forth all night yeah it was some wild stuff to see yeah that was crazy man yeah have you ever had to deal with a heckler on stage? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tupac used to come and heckle me all the time at the comedy store. Are you serious? Tupac? Tupac Shakur was one of my main hecklers, and he heckled me, like, on two to three different occasions. Yeah, this is classic stories right now, man. Go ahead. Keep going. And I remember when Tupac had his first album came out, and the Brendan, Brendan, Brenda had a, has a baby was on the soundtrack, and he was heckling me, heckling me in the back. I was like, Tupac, why are you making all that noise? Why are you disrespecting me? I brought all your albums. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, album. <laughs> then I remember when he first got out of jail, and I was upstairs performing in the belly room, and he was heckling with a, he was arguing with a waitress about a drink and another girl, and I'm sitting up there, my mic was cutting on and off, and it was raining outside, and I locked my car keys downstairs into the car, I had a lot going on in my mind. Yeah, and I went, "What up, pot?" And he turns around with a drink and looks at me for like thirty seconds and went, "What up?" Do your act, nigga. And turned back around, went back, arguing with the waitress. I have fond memories of Pac. He used to come to comedy store all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him um, the weekend that he died. Wow. He was coming down the parking ramp, and he had a gold Land Cruiser, and he pulled out front, and I saw him pulling out front. He stopped, because he was on the cell phone, and I yelled through the window, Pac! He pointed, and I pointed, and he drove down uh, Sunset Boulevard. That was the last time I saw him, and I went back to my hotel room. I cut the news on, and he was gone. Yeah, man. Rest in peace, Tupac, man. I, R. Think, R. I, don't, I don't think people ever get over that, especially him being such an uh, influential uh, you know, public figure and his music being so uh, timeless and meaning so much to people. And, you know, like, just from moving to Cali, like, how they represent him and represent his music and how they still play like it's fresh and brand new and it's still standing strong with the new music that's being played today. I don't think his legacy will never die. Him and Biggie, you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing in New York with Biggie, you know, and, and, and I just appreciate what he brought to the game and his, his charisma, his attitude. Even when I watch his movies, I'd be like, damn, like, yeah. I, just, I just think like, damn, how I could imagine where he would be today. He would probably be like in his 40s, Pushing 50 But what he would've did Throughout that timeline It would've been so crazy He was definitely Going too soon man Yeah man And you know He was born uh, He died when my daughter Was born in 1996 mm. Mm. 
And I had my daughter right after it, so it was a very special time for me. And he was born in 1971, so he would have been my age, about to turn 47. Mm. And I'm about to turn 47, and I guess I'm pushing 50. Hey, congratulations, brother. You made it this far, man, you. you know. Not too many people past 21 where I'm from, you know what I mean? Man, so, so yeah. You like that. So, yeah, I got some more pushing to do. Yeah. And I can see 50 right there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it. No worries. Uh, yeah, you're going to make it for real, man. So, now, you hear all these stories about people coming to L.A., trying to chase a dream, you know, ending up living out their cars or being homeless. You know, the sob story before they blow up. You know, what's your, what advice can you give to some inspiring actors, comedians, producers, whatever, trying to come to L.A. and pursue this dream? Uh, you got to go through it to get through it. Mm-hmm. I've done it, man. I've slept in tents. I've been in parks. I slept in cars. I slept everywhere. Couches. Mm. It's a hard hustle, man. And you got to be financial. The advice is stay ready. Be. This is a hard one to say to be financially prepared because finances in LA could be out the window at any moment. Everything's expensive here. Places to live is expensive. Especially, and home is where the heart is, where you go to get, is your sanctuary, where you go to get your mind together. And to keep a roof over your head is the number one goal in Los Angeles. They done made things so expensive out here to where homelessness is, is done run amok. It, it, it's an epidemic that Los Angeles is going through right now. And it, it, it's to me, it used to be part of the game to now it's a horrible sight to see somebody go through that. I wouldn't mm. wish homelessness on my worst enemy especially out here in Los Angeles, because you got all kinds of crazy people out there. You got the crystal meth addicts now, that's how there's an epidemic of crystal meth. Yeah. They turn these people into zombies where they don't do anything. <clears throat> yeah. Um, my advice to them is be ready for anything when you come out here. Uh, and be prepared to sleep in your car if you ha- if you're fortunate to have a car to sleep in. When I heard me, now I don't feel sorry for when someone tells me they sleep in their car. Yeah. Oh well, you got a car. Well, hey, you doing something right? Right, hey. open the sunroof, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do I do feel for people who have to have to go through that. But you have to be. It's part of the game because you got to be very rich to come out here to follow your dreams. Period. Mm-hmm. You have to put money into your dreams to see it blossom. Yeah. You know. And that's that. That's the game. Finances, 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 and keeping a roof over your head. And how do you achieve that goal constantly while chasing your dream? You have to be luck. Luck plays a lot of part of it, man. And preparation meets opportunity. And when you get that perfect timing, and oh, save your money. You got to know how to save. I'm listening to my own advice. Yeah. Got to save money. Save. I'm the worst saver ever. Likewise, um, bro. <laughs> I, had my, I had my daughter told me, I was like, hey, baby, I'm about to move. Oh, I need to move. She went, yeah, you got to save your money, daddy. Mm. Well, to hear your daughter give you advice, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Thanks, baby. Yeah, <laughs> so tell me, what's the best advice somebody's ever given you? The best advice someone has ever given me? That's a very good question, yeah. Vegas. And who did it come from? Who did it come from also? Ah. Uh, Chappelle, you got to play by the rules, baby. Uh, my mother, you got to get along to get along. Mm. And uh, 
Just keep your faith strong and keep your heart in God and don't look down when you walk in the tightrope because you're going to fall. Yeah. And uh, just because you're going through it don't mean look like you're going through it. That's advice I give myself. Mm. That's cool, man. Yeah, a lot. I, I just basically, I give my advice a lot of quotes, you know, a lot of family members. Like my mother always told me, you know what I'm saying? Like always have faith, you know, always pray. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, trust people 99%. You know what I'm saying? Leave that 1% out in case they mess you over. Then, you know, you cut them off. You know what I'm saying? You know, that one of my favorite quotes is, uh, death is not the end for someone who has faith. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So, you know, and also, um, what else? Uh, there was there was another quote that, 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 I, that I really follow a lot. I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was. It's just, it's, well, I read The Secret a lot. You know, I try to read that book over and over because it's basically all about applying the laws of attraction to your life and keeping the glass half full at all times. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, trying to make the best out of every negative situation, any possible negative situation to, you know, uh, look past and, and be stuck in the negative mind frame that it may, you know... Uh, Set you in. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So I try to use that formula in, in my everyday life, you know what I'm saying? Do you have any, uh, you know, favorite quotes? Yeah, that negative mind frame set I'm constantly always battling to mm -hmm. snap myself out of it because it's so, it's so easy to, it's like this table, you know, you, it'll collect lint and you just let it stick on you, but to brush it off and become new again, yeah. you know, is, is, is something spectacular that you have to constantly do to yourself. You have to constantly brush yourself off. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and keep the win off you. Right. Um, and to keep that mindset of positivity. Hey, we're going to make it out of this. And and always check yourself that you know your surroundings. Mm -hmm. That, okay, you're paying attention to the stuff. Like, you're not burying yourself too much into yourself where you don't notice what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. and, you and you're being real about the situation. Like, yo, okay, this is rock bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, hello, I don't know if you know this, but this is rock bottom. Right, right, we need right. to start going this way. Yeah. You're going too far that way. And that's the constant battle within myself. And I've always been that way. Um, and to quote unquote, stay real with yourself. Knowing what to do, what not to do. Like we had a discussion earlier. Like mm -hmm. I had to stop going out. Mm -hmm. Stop buying girl drinks. Stop, you know, wasting my time and money on Distractions. On distractions, yeah. Right. Because there's a lot of distractions that will take your eyes off the prize and you're not even knowing it. You might be thinking you're looking at the prize, but that ain't the prize. Right. The prize is over here. Your head's supposed to be turned that way so you can see what's coming this way, but you, you focus over there and what's keeping your eye over there, and that's not the prize. So what do you, what do, you do to uh, stay focused and avoid distractions? Stay to myself. Stay to myself. Listen to myself. And be hard on myself. Mm. Uh, I really started to become tough on myself because sometimes you can get in your own way. Yeah, that's the hardest part when you your own, when you got to curse yourself out. Yeah, and sit yourself down. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, yeah. what was that about? And what do you call that? Like in golf, uh, forced errors upon yourself, uh, right. self-forced errors. Yeah, is what I'm trying to avoid. My like half the time is me. Mm. You know, half the time is me causing self-errors. And I want to look at it when time goes by where it's too late for me to make the corrections. Yeah, you're living in your own head rent-free. Rent-free. And you can't let nobody live in your head rent-free or yourself. Right, exactly, exactly. You definitely don't want to do that, man. You know what I'm saying? So, um, 
with that being said, you know, what's, what's your plan to, you know, get over the hump and keep yourself relevant again in the industry and, and, and just become the star that I know you can be? I don't know. That's a very good question. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do this. I know I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a root and a plan, which is to stay true to myself, mm-hmm. stay grounded, stay centered, and uh, quote unquote to stay focused on the prize. Mm-hmm. Um, to not let the ball get too far ahead of me where I can't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. As long as it's in my my visual and I can see it, then I can achieve it. And that's just been my number one plan. And to stay out of my own way, and to and to stay humble. At the same time, proud and strong enough to know at any time I can pick that ball up, take a look at it, and set it anywhere I want. Mm-hmm. But now it's time to put it in my shirt pocket where my heart beats so it doesn't go anywhere. Right. That's my plan. And to leave something for my daughter other than fame that mm-hmm. she can propel herself out of for her, for her, my future grandchildren, her grandchildren. And to leave something behind other than fame. Mm-hmm. I need more Jewish people on my team. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, I need more Jews. <laughs> About to take a trip to Jerusalem. <laughs> Man, I, all you need is Jesus on your team, brother. Hey, big Jew. Uh, big Jew. The big J. Yeah, big Jew. What up, Jesus? <laughs> what up, so tell me, where can the people follow you, man? Keep up on everything you're doing, man. Because I know you got some skits coming out. You know what I'm saying? The Moochie, Adventures of Moochie. Adventures of Moochie, tell, tell, tell people about that, man. Because I was in that with you, man. Yeah, I man. I produced that. So My name me. is Moochie Virgo, and I'm a fitness biatch. Moochie is a moocher. He's mm-hmm. a world-class, high-class, manipulating moocher mm-hmm. who only shows up when the weed comes out. Okay. And okay. he never has any weed unless he wants to have weed. Uh-huh. And that's, he's just a mooching mother that everybody loves, but he always gets them. Always gets the weed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something I've been pushing. And um, I, I love that little short I love that skit. Uh-huh. You know, um, because it's real. Everybody has, knows a moochie. Yeah. yeah. Nah, we all do. Yeah. We all do. So I've been pushing that, and um, I've been invited to make Moochie longer and, and, um, and other different, other projects mm-hmm. that I do have mm-hmm. in the works. I don't want to jinx them, but I do have stuff coming out, and you guys stay tuned. If you want to contact me, you can contact me on Facebook, Comedian David Edwards, on Instagram, The Real. David Edwards, which is the underscore real underscore David underscore Edwards. And yeah, through social media and uh, through Twitter, comedian David Edwards. Yeah. And I try to stay up. This uh, social media has changed the game. Yeah, exactly. It really has. And I'm kind of jealous that uh, Kevin Hart and what's that other white comedian? Oh, Dane Cook, Mm -hmm. who originally mastered it. The art of mastering social media has been very puzzling because you have to have finances, I understand, to master social media. I mean, yeah, if you want to pay for promotion. And and you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And there's something that I'm learning and I'm catching up to. I'm a little late, a little behind the ball, but I can still see it. So that's what I'm trying to master now. Mm -hmm. Trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but that's where you guys reach me on social media. And uh, hopefully you guys will see me doing gigs throughout the country or walking butt naked down the street backwards, <laughs> digging up my nose, plucking boogers, 
<laughs> well, speaking of social media, tell me how do you plan to uh, use social media to your advantage? Being that it's a it's a, a, a great platform to kind of showcase your your talent and uh, you know a, expand your 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 brand to the world. My brand. Mm-hmm. I don't have a brand. You do. You do. Your face is your brand. Your name yeah, is your brand. It's my your brand. history and everything you put on TV is hey, now. You know what? You ain't brand. lying. It's out there, and mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. I remember when my daughter first saw the real world. Oh man! And she saw me pulling pulling that blanket off of Tammy, and Tammy rolling down that hallway. Yeah. And she goes, "Daddy, what happened? What made you want to pull that blanket off of her?" And I paused. And it's like, if I had my daughter back then, there would be no way that I would have touched that blanket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I got a little girl, this, that, and right, the other. Right, right, like, right. And, I put my, and it gave me a chance to put myself in the other shoes. Like, if I was Tammy's daddy and I saw that, I don't think I'd be sitting here right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe right. no way. I'd be trying to kick my ass. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. So, how I look at life before my daughter and after my daughter is two different things. Mm-hmm. Back then, you're looking at a 21-year-old comedian versus a about-to-be 47-year-old comedian. Mm. And it's two totally different people. So, again, my brand is no brand because you already know what you're getting. But at the same time, I'm growing to reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. But the direction that I want to reinvent myself in is, is still out to question because at this point, I don't know. All I know is to go with what's been working mm-hmm. and the process of trial and error is is all I know. Okay, try this, try this. Okay, mm, need more salt, ah, a little more sugar. All right, sorry, is that done? All right, next. Yeah. And that's all I know how to do. But to put something out there and go, that's finished, buy that. <laughs> it's good for you. Is what I'm learn, trying to learn how to do. Some, to sell something that's already sold mm. is what I'm trying to learn how to do. And that's the, the name of brand. Yeah. yeah. So it's this new thing of brand, everything's a brand. Everything's a brand is what I'm trying to get used to. So I'm a little behind on the eight ball in that term. Yeah. Of what my brand is. That's a very good question. I'm glad you asked that. Well, basically, you know, from, from because the reason they call it a brand is because the, 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 the economics behind it and like as far as you know, using marketing strategies to get the brand out there. And basically, uh, you want people to buy what you're selling. And what yeah. you're selling is comedy. So the comedy is the brand. So you, you got to put a marketing strategy behind it. You got to promote it, right? You got to put marketing dollars behind it. You got to pick a target demographic that you're pitching to. So, you know, all that falls under the category of, of a brand and how you, are, you know, plan to sell it. That's fair. And I agree. Mm-hmm. It's just that what's funny about a brand is... A brand can get derailed. Mm-hmm. You know, you might put something out there and you might sell it as so, and then you go out there and make an error, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden your brand has tilted or turned. There's been a lot of comedians who have done something personally mm-hmm. that put their brand upside down. Mm-hmm. And they go yeah. in jeopardy, mm-hmm. and they have to make corrections and go, oh my God, and the crowd goes, that's not who I thought he was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. The reason why I say my brand is no brand, because I'm still that person outside the brand. Mm-hmm. What you see is what you get. I'm that type of person. I'm not this sold and this is what it is, stamped and approved. I've never been approved. I've never been. I am a hard-headed slave. I am a field Negro who does not know his place. 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and I'm struggling with this, but I'm coming to terms with it, and that's the brand. A nigger that doesn't know his place. <laughs> hey. They can't be bought or sold. Hey, whatever works, man. Well, like I said, man, you know, I definitely feel you have a brand. I definitely feel you're a legend in this game, and the fact Thank that you. you're still doing the damn thing, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I watched you. It was Kid and Play when that came out. I was like ninety six. You know, I was maybe like like what like twelve, eleven at that time. And yeah, you know, to, to to be in to be in L A. and just to meet you and like I said, have you on my show. It's an honor, man. And it's I think, an honor to be here, man. This place is nice. Thank you, man. Look at this place, you. man. It's not in Vegas, man. Hey, I'm trying, man. The nineties was a beautiful time. Yeah, definitely. Oh was, my man. god, we, it was the golden era, man. Rent you know? was six hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> music was at its hip hop. Hip hop was the best it can be. Like, at its B. Pac was around. Biggie was around. Mm. Uh, Robin Williams was around. Everybody was around in the nineties. Yeah, I had a ball. That was my era, the '90s. And that yeah. was my era in the early 2000s. Yeah, but everybody has their time, and like I said, you still got your time, man. You still alive, you still living, it's, yeah. you know. So you still got time to do great things, and I'm sure you will, man. Like I said, it was an honor to have you, you too, on the show. Vegas. You know what I'm saying? This jacket is nice. What is that velvet? Oh, the, the, I mean, I don't know. This it's is something. velvet. I don't know, man. I just like That's the nice. way that look good on me. You know what I'm saying? This bad boy good. right here. <laughs> like I said, man. Stop the banking and TTV. Sleep is for billionaires. The podcast. David Edwards, Johnny Vegas. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tune in to further episodes. You know what I'm saying? You got anything else you want to leave them with before we get out of here, man? Sleep is for billionaires. You can sleep when you're dead. You're not old until you're cold. That's a fact. That's a fact. I like that you're not old till you're cold. Till you cold. It came from my grandma. Hell yeah, that's a fact, man. Because when you die, your body turns cold, man. Love you, Katrina Common Edwards. Rest in heaven. Mm. Likewise, man. Rest in peace, Abuela, man. I pray to you every day. Watch over me, yo. Right. Love you. We out of here. Peace. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billion every week. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire. I wanna be a billionaire.